What's up, Dot Nation? My name is Wyatt Troy, and I want to welcome you to another week's episode of Behind the Dot. Now, if you are brand new to the podcast, welcome. This is great. It's great to have you here. Nice to meet you. Um, this is a podcast where we interview music producers, singers, songwriters, sound designers, literally anyone on that spectrum on an emotional, philosophical, branding, marketing, and music business basis. I've literally said that phrase so many times in my life. Doesn't matter. Welcome to the podcast. This is a very special episode, one uh, or the first one of its kind, really. And what happened was I got a an email from a girl about... Uh, about a month-ish ago. Um, her name is Yin Cheng, and uh, she goes by the artist name Nuya. She asked me if I would be interested in having her on the podcast. She's been a listener for a while, and I was like, yes. Like, that actually sounds really awesome, because in, in our Discord, which, by the way, if you're not part of the Donation Discord, what are you doing? What is going on? Please come through. Please be a part of it. Anyways, I've asked this in the, in, in the Discord before, which is would you be interested, would you guys be interested if I started doing episodes with you guys? So it's not just with big, huge music industry experts or big, huge producers, but actually doing it with the fans of the podcast, right? And everyone, of course, is like, oh my gosh, this is so great. And then I completely forgot about it until Yin emailed me. And I was like, wait, this is a great opportunity. This is fantastic. Let's do this. And the reason why is because she had a really, really, really strong hook when she emailed me, right? So I've talked about this in the podcast before. If you want someone to answer your emails, you gotta write a strong hook. You gotta capture their attention really quickly. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta create curiosity, right? And her hook inside of her email was how she created 52 songs in 52 weeks. That is literally a song a week. That's insanity. That is insane. I was like, I want to know everything about this. So I brought her on here today to talk about these things as well as a few other topics. What the freak are the topics? Should have been prepared for this. Wasn't prepared for this. You're getting unfiltered, Wyatt. Congratulations if this is your first time. So there are multiple things that we talked about in this interview. Obviously, that's how an interview goes. I don't know why I have to clarify that. Anyways, here are a few things that are going to be really, really interesting to you. Here's some strong hooks for you, right? We just talked about hooks. Here's some strong hooks for you. Of course, we're going to be talking about how to make 52 uh, songs in 52 weeks. We're going to be talking about perfectionism. Does it actually serve you? Should you allow perfectionism into your music, into your life, and all that kind of stuff? Is there a good form of perfectionism? Is there a bad form? Or is it all good or all bad? We're going to be talking about that. Uh, the third thing that we're going to be talking about is quality versus quantity. This is the age-old discussion. You know this. You've heard it on uh, some of these podcast episodes before, as well as other podcasts and other series. So we're going to be talking about that and, and our viewpoints on it. We're also going to be talking about documenting your progress. Now, this is insanely huge. And I'd really, really, really pay attention when we get to this topic of documenting your progress. It's very, very, very important. Okay. And then the fifth concept that we're going to be talking about is a very special marketing topic. I'm actually going to hold off from telling you exactly what it is because I want you to listen all the way to the end to check that out. And I actually thought about this during the interview. I was like, hey, wait, what would be really cool is after they've talked about, after the guest talks about what they want to talk about, then I can be like, hey, by the way, you know, as, as a listener of the podcast, I'm sure you know that I am really big into marketing. So if you have any marketing questions, you can ask me this, right? Like currently I charge around $250 an hour for any marketing consultations just because of how busy I am. And so it's, I think it's a great opportunity for me like, hey, like here's, here's, here's a freebie, you know, like ask me any questions that you want to. And she asked some really good questions, especially when it comes to labels versus self-releasing and so on and so forth. Stick around to the end to check that out. It's really, really good. And as I was doing this episode, I got to be real. This is kind of all on the fly. This is all new. This is not like any other behind the dot episode that I'm used to, but I want to keep doing these because this is really fun. And so I thought about how can I set this up to keep doing this so that we can keep having people come on there. But I was like, oh, how do I find people? How do I keep track of them? So on and so forth. And so I basically thought of a, a th I thought of a way that would help grow the pro that would help grow the podcast as well as uh, give any of you an opportunity to come on the show, share some really great insight that you have, get your name out there, so on and so forth. If you want to be one of the lucky people that come on the podcast, here is the credentials. You ready for this? Go to iTunes. It doesn't matter if uh, you listen on Spotify. It doesn't matter for this right now. If you could go to iTunes, leave a review for the Donation Podcast on there. After you leave a review take a screenshot, send me the screenshot um, over on Instagram at dot underscore nation. And once you send that to me, you'll be put on the list and I'll just go in the list of people that send me screenshots, right? So first come, first serve. This will probably be much more structured in the future, but this is just so brand new. It was so awesome and it was exciting. And I was like, yeah, let's just do it. Let's go for it. Let's do it. So, so with all that being said, donation, we just got one more quick thing to talk about before we get into this week's episode. This week's episode is sponsored by the Alien Weapon Walkthrough by AU5. Now, if you have not listened to Alien Weapon 
up and buy AU5, please, please, please do yourself a favor. It's so freaking good. It's a sound design masterpiece. And AU5 created a, an extremely in-depth walkthrough about this song. If any of you have watched any of our In The Daw episodes, it's like that, but like times 12. And plus you get the opportunity to get the Alien Weapon project file, the actual project files that he created for Alien Weapon, as well as a sample pack. It's it's insanity, right? You can add those things on. It's amazing. If you want to check that out, you can head on over to dawnation.net slash Alien Weapon, or if you're on a podcasting app where you can click on the links, you can head down in the description. It's down there. Click it, click clack it down there, and it'll, you'll have a great time. I, I don't know. Anyways, you know what I'm saying. Anyways, so with that being said, Don Nation, let's go Behind the Daw with Nuya. I want to welcome you to another week's episode of Behind the Daw. This week, we are absolutely graced by Yin Chang, who goes by the artist Nuya. How are you doing today? I'm super good. She brought up a really interesting concept to me. So she sent a, an email to me saying that she'd love to be on the podcast, and she had a really strong hook. Those who listen to the podcast know that when I talk about marketing, your hooks are your lifeblood, the thing that literally gets people to grab their attention. You're like, look at this thing. You're like, what? What is this thing? This is gorgeous. She had that thing. And her, her one of her hooks that she had was that she did this thing called the 52-week challenge. And if I'm remembering correctly, it is that you created a song every week for 52 weeks. Is that correct? Yep, correct. Is that like finished song? Is that just like starting a song? Like, how did that work? I'll finish songs. So I, I made sure that I had, you know, every single part of a song and made it a com- complete package because it was really a test to complete things, like finish things, finish ideas instead of, you know, creating like this awesome course and never, ever, you know, finishing it. I, it was a practice of completing things, I would say. Oh my gosh, that is that is incredible. Finished songs, not even just like demos, not even just like ideas, finished songs, like that is incredible. And so I'm assuming, I'm assuming that with um, with this concept, that it, there's probably no way that you were able to create 52 songs to like a perfectionist standard, right? There's, there's places where you had to focus more on quantity rather than quality, is that correct? Totally. One rule or law that I really like is uh, Pareto's law. Have you heard of it before? The Pareto's law. Is that the one where you get stuff done in the time that you that is allowed? Is that right? It's, it's um the concept of 80-20. Oh yes, Pareto. That's right. Basically 20% of effort equals 80% of results. And so I really, you know, thought about that that rule when I was making songs that like it's not gonna be perfect. I wanna get like B or B plus or even A sometimes in my mind. And I told myself if I finished five songs that I really liked this whole entire year, then that would be success to me. Dude, that is that is awesome. Pareto's Law. That's I didn't realize the 80-20 rule was Pareto's Law. That's great. That's amazing. And uh, I love I love this. The reason why is because, I mean, one of the biggest concerns, not only amongst like newer beginners or intermediate, but advanced as well as the concept of quality versus quantity, right? It's the age old debate, right? Quantity over quality. What's 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 more important? Are you supposed to meet in the middle? So on and so forth. And combining that with another concern that a lot of producers bring up to me, which is, you know, how good they think the song has to be before it can be put out, right? And what I tell them, right, most of the time when I've when I've been talking to producers, back when I did a lot of private lessons with people, um, they would ask me, it's like, how do you know when? Or like, and I'd be like, okay, cool. So let's let's let me ask you this question. On a scale from one to ten, one being what the frick is music production, and ten being your Skrillex, where do you have to fall on the line to start releasing music and actually have a thriving career in almost every single? This is actually, I'm actually, this is, you probably have a different answer than most, but where do you think on that scale people have? to fall oh from one to skrillex um let's see i would say honestly (laughs) especially in the beginning i think it's like a quantity over quality thing in the beginning and so um, i would say start off as a one to three honestly because it gives you it gives you that like leeway and just i guess you're just allowing yourself to to mess up a lot and then when you get to maybe seven or eight then perhaps start playing and releasing or even even six to eight you know so I I guess basically what I feel like is best is when when you're in the beginning stages just create songs (laughs) and be totally okay with it and you'll jump up to those like six to eight 
markers and then that eight to ten is like the mastery I feel like takes quite a bit and so I don't even think about that that stage getting to the the Skrillex stage yeah that's what I would say totally totally and you actually you hit the nail on the head so the answer is so the the question they ask is or the question I ask right is the the scale between one and ten right one being what the frick is music production ten being Skrillex and you said between one and three is where you should start releasing the answer is correct that is 100% correct and the reason why is for multiple reasons that I'm sure we'll get into but the biggest reason the biggest, biggest, biggest reason is that the common listener isn't going to be able to tell the difference after a certain mm-hmm. point. You know, like after like five, no one can really tell a difference. And most of the time, five is like the people who are really into music but don't make music. They just like the way that it sounds like around like three is like the common th- threshold of humanity. Like the vast majority of humanity hovers around three. Above that, they can't really tell a difference, right? At that point, it's more so left to the marketing that intrigues the that intrigues the listener or the branding behind that intrigues the listener. But the songs itself, like they, they have no idea if you're running a freaking kick through a, a uh, a glue compressor inside of Ableton or an SSL board. They have no idea, right? They can't really tell the difference between that, right? It's only music producers and musicians that are really going to start to tell that because they've, we've trained our ears to do that, right? So the idea that you have to be a seven or an eight or a six or anywhere bef- like around that area before releasing, get out of here. No, 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 no. That's just, that's just false. I really like one of the things that you mentioned in your notes that you sent over to me is the concept of starting out with quantity, knowing that eventually your quantity will basically turn into quality. It, like you, you're, you're, you're producing at a significant rate, but because you're in that rate, right, you're putting out a song a week, eventually over that time, at least I imagine, over the, over time, every single week, you're getting a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit faster, and a little bit more efficient. So eventually it's like quantity and quality are actually synonymous at that point. Am I, am I right in my assumption? Totally. I mean, in my experience, like over my lifetime, I would say um, many years ago when I was like in middle school, I would download like FL Studio and Ableton and Logic and all these different programs, all these DAWs. And I had such a high standard, high technical standard that I created one song and then I uninstalled the program. (laughs) And in frustration, I realized really what it is, is that when I allowed myself to create mostly terrible songs. I I told myself like, hey, if I only had five good songs, every other song can be really terrible. As long as I learned something, that's when I really started to get better because that it didn't end up like that. It, It didn't end up with, you know, me being terrible every song, I really did get better, like 10% better each time. Or um, I would just compound. And so I would learn more keyboard shortcuts. or I would learn cool reverb technique, or I would learn side chaining is and how to create wider sounds. And I allowed myself to have like a piecemeal education when it came to music. And I, I didn't try to, you know, do a whole course or to know everything before I started. And it really just naturally flowed into um, quality. Right, right, right. I see what you're saying. You know, as you as you were describing that, there's a there's this topic that I've learned about. And it intrigues me so much. Um, this is this topic is called apocrypha. You ever heard of that before? No, I haven't. Or apocryphon. I think it's apocryphon. Anyways, it's either apocrypha or apocryphon. But it's this concept that was talked about in I believe Italian philosophy. Is it's this concept of knowledge that can't be taught but can be learned and from what I'm hearing you say is that as you are creating and you are releasing, right, by doing this, even though it's not perfection, even though it's hard, even though it's pushing you, you are learning these things that can't be taught, but can be learned at a significantly faster rate. Is that what I'm hearing? Definitely. Really, in the beginning, my brother did help me with like, you know, he ran through the basics with me and I kept asking him all these technical questions. And he was like, you know, don't even worry about this right now you're gonna get there um and it's true like all these things I was like so anxious about like how do I how do I do this I I did end up like learning how to do that naturally and so it's really just (laughs) experience is the best teacher it is it is it is you know in your in your notes that you sent over to me this is interesting that that you would take a challenge like this because like you mentioned in your notes that you had a problem with commitment, right? And I would say that this challenge is like literally, like literally the polar opposite of having a problem with commitment. Like this is, this is if you, it sounds, I feel like you'd have to have like some serious commitment to do this. So how did you transition from having a problem with commitment to taking on this, what some would deem an, an enormous commitment? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. I would say, well, 
first it was with the realization that um, I feel like my true calling is to create electronic music. It's something I grew up with. It's something I feel so alive listening to. I am a musician, you know, before I started producing I would just improv on the piano like for hours on end um, growing up. And I just remember dancing to 90s trance music and techno music. And it's in the been in the back burner for most of my life. And I recently, you know, kind of let go of a project that was like taking up my my whole life. And so really there was time, you know, between in 2019, 2020 to really go for what I wanted to actually do. And so it's time to take a back burner dream and like <laughs> put it on the front burner. I wanted to prove that I could stay consistent and I can get over my perfectionist tendencies because it wasn't really a problem with commitment. It was like a problem with uh, being perfect uh, when it comes to art. And so really when I just allowed myself to not be good in the beginning. And I really just came at it through a lens of like, I just want to learn how to uh, use Ableton. Like it doesn't matter how long it takes. It doesn't matter if I become a master. Um, it doesn't matter if I become ultra famous or make tons of money from it or be in the spotlight all the time. It really came from like a, a very innate sense of, you know, this is what I'm meant to do. And so let me let go of all these limitations that were holding me back. And so the commitment part wasn't really that hard because I only spent about an hour a day on it. It wasn't like I spent every hour of the day working on my songs. It was because I was consistent uh, and I didn't, I didn't have, you know, for instance, I could have done seven hours in a week, just like straight, you know, cause I get like inspired to, or I could do an hour a day. And by doing an hour a day, reinforcing those old techniques that I learned the day before. And so it seems like a very huge mountain in the beginning, but I think if once you're in in it, it definitely is a lot easier. It's it's mostly starting, right? It's it's so hard to start things, but once you're co committed, I think it gets easier. That's that's really interesting that you mentioned that because as you were describing it, you you mentioned that it's it wasn't it was this problem that was I guess you'd say that is the secondary problem was commitment, but the primary problem was uh, was perfection, right? And I wonder I wonder how many producers that are listening to this right now actually are going through the same thing that you're saying. Like they they have the commitment problem. They think they have the commitment problem, right? They think they have the commitment problem, but really it's not a commitment problem. Like yeah. To, to produce an hour a day, ooh, that's pretty rough. Or produce several hours a day or once every blah, 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 or whatever it is, right? Like, ah, oh, that's, that's so hard because of my life and so on and so forth. And really it's like, well, actually, maybe it's not that hard. What the hard part is, is not the commitment, it's the perfection. That if you let go of the perfection, oh my gosh, like the the relief that will come upon you, right? The the, the ability to just be like, oh yeah, perfection, screw that. It's not serving me. I mean, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Do you feel like being a perfectionist, honing in on this perfection part of us that I feel like we all have at least in one aspect or another. Do you think it serves people to be a perfectionist? Do you think that 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 concept actually serves you? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I would say I think it's something that you can never get rid of. Like it's always going to be like a low level um, feeling in the background of, oh man, I can, this is not good enough where I could do a lot more to the song. Um or like, dang, it feels like a huge mountain. And I, I think I have a f suspicion that never goes away. I think, though, we can choose otherwise and and recognize that, you know, the, we all have perfectionist tendencies. We all see the finished products of people on Instagram or just anywhere online. We just see finished products of people. And so it, it just kind of exacerbates our um, perfectionism. But I think if we understand that it's it's always going to be there but we have the opportunity to choose consistent let's see what I was what was I trying to say <laughs> basically if we if we are trying to you know a little bit of like let's say per perfectionism I think is always going to be there but I think we have the opportunity to choose otherwise I think once we understand that people who are great are created through consistent 
practice, like compounding actions, it's like chiseling away at, at something, then, then I think we're, we're much more inclined to take a more consistent and um, sustainable approach because I think it's not sustainable to be a perfectionist and you're going to end up being super burnt out. And so I don't feel like perfectionism is a good thing at all. I feel like it's a huge deterrent, but I think it's always going to be there and we can practice to choose otherwise. I agree. I completely agree with what you're saying. I feel like perfectionism is... In some regards, I mean, if if we're being real, perfectionism, especially within music, is just a transfer of the desire to control, but into a different realm, right? So it's like all of us, you know, people love to use the word like control freak or, or you know, uh, very controlling. The fact of the matter is if you're human, you're controlling. You know what I mean? All humans want control. Everyone wants control over something, wants control over their, their diet or their life or their sleeping habits or their relationships or the what did they do in their free time or their work or whatever it is, right? We want control, right? And it doesn't change, doesn't magically go away when it comes to music. We want control. We want the control to create whatever we want want to and to have it be exactly the way that we want to. The question is, when does the control, the control is a, a healthy thing to have for sure, but just like anything else, when does the control become unhealthy, right? When does it become a, a hindrance to what you are supposed to do? And I believe that when we're talking about perfectionism, it's control, but in the negative, right? It's in the, it's in the negative realm at that point. And I completely agree with everything that you're saying, by the way. I believe, and I'd love to know your thoughts on this, I believe that there is a realm, a realm which is, or a spectrum rather, rather where it's like, okay, here's the song and it's on the first part of the spectrum right now. It's not ready to be released. It's not, for whatever reason. Maybe you only have one kick drum. Okay, well, that one kick drum is not a song. So it's definitely in the realm where it's not ready to be released, right? And that, you know, where it starts to enter the realm of being released, but not like you don't have everything lined up to where you want it to be is the, you know, obviously the next part of the spectrum. And then the final part is like the perfectionist uh, spectrum, right? Which is like, you're so far, like you've spent three years on this one drop and you finally have it. Every little thing down to a minute detail, you've hired 60 different people to review your song and everyone say it's great and so on and so forth, right? And the reality is, is that the perfectionist realm, that's that spectrum, that end of the spectrum that you get to, basically impossible, virtually impossible. It doesn't exist. So to think that you have to get into that part of the spectrum in order for you to, to release, you're setting yourself up to fail from the beginning, right? And then, but, but then there is that middle ground, that middle ground where it's like, okay, this is really good. It's, yeah, I mean, I could switch out that snare with like 50 other snares to see if something else fits. Yeah, I could go spend like eight hours on splice looking for a better vocal sample. Yes, I could X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. But is that serving you? Like, is it actually helping you? You know what I mean? Or is that a part of the control that we need to release? And for what I'm hearing you say is that like, that is the part of the control that we need to release. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, definitely. It's making me think about, you know, like I'm still every single day I'm, I'm going into Ableton and just making music. And I feel like even though I, I went through a year of being mindful of letting go of that attachment that I have, that I still feel like actually even more so now, because now it's like the stakes are higher or in, in my mind, they feel higher. It gets a little bit more, you, it, it's, it's easier to get a little bit more attached as time goes on because you know, by song 40, 44, you feel like, ah, oh, man, I should be good now. Or like by the 52nd song, you feel like you should be really good. And like by, you know, and this year I'm, I'm releasing on Spotify and, and the sticks feel a little bit higher to me. Like, oh man, it's on Spotify. That means something. And so the control gets a little bit more difficult or it can be, but it's, honestly a practice every single day of choosing like you said like a sample on splice that is like 80 percent there like it's like okay this will do and releasing a song on spotify that's like n not not like incredibly perfect and i've been doing that I've, I've released like eight songs so far like trying to do one every two weeks or so and my mixing is not there yet. I listen to my songs on Spotify and then I listen to another um, artist and I can hear like where I need to be instead of letting that like hinder me or instead of like taking it down and like trying to mix it better. I just move on to the next song because I want to, I want to 
be able to practice just creating something and moving on, creating something and moving on. Like there's a, a story of Picasso and he, he, he's commissioned to draw like a bull for somebody. And it, it like, it's like five months commission or something at the end when the the person who commissioned him came to get his painting Picasso just did it in 15 minutes and handed it to him basically Picasso was saying you're paying for 40 years of my experience and I, I think that really speaks to me because really what I'm honing my skills to do is to create on the fly and to create songs and be able to like actually bring them to the finish line instead of creating that like one perfect song. Love that. I think that is so good. That is so, so good. I foresee people that are listening to this is that there is this, what I call it a distortion, not to be mixed up with normal distortion inside of music production realm, but a distortion in the mind, which is a thought that is not based in logic, fact, or evidence, but is posing itself as doing that and is causing you anxiety and you know, emotional, tumultuous thoughts and so on and so forth, right? So I believe the distortion that people are going to be having when they're thinking about this is like, wait, like if I do this, what happens if there's this song that I really, really freaking like, and I feel like it needs more time to do, but I'm in this 52 week challenge and so on and so forth. And so like, do they keep up with the challenges, release a song, but it's like, oh, but if I would have worked on it for a few more weeks, it would have been exactly what I wanted and so on and so forth, right? And I'd love to know your thoughts. I'd like to express my thoughts first. Honestly, and here's the thing, if it's that important to you, I, first off, I think you should stay with the challenge. Stick with it no matter what, even if you're like, oh, this is a really good song, but I really want more time, blah, 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 still release it. And the reason why is because, and I don't know why I don't see this more often, release like a 2.0 version, release a part two, release a whatever. You know what I mean? Like uh, I love part twos. Part twos are great. Some of my favorite songs are literally, it literally has part two in the, in the title. And it's like a journey. It's like, oh yeah, I see the next, there's the part one, no, there's part two. And it's so cool. Like one of my favorite songs that does this of all time is Drop Our Hearts by Elenium. And he has a part one and then he has Elenium or then he has Drop Our Hearts part two with Set the Sky. And it's really freaking good. There's also The Home We Made by Crywolf part one and part two. Part two is freaking amazing. And so it's like, if that's the case, just release it again. Just update it and release it again and just make it, you know, better than it was before. Like, uh, what's your thoughts on that? That's exactly how I approached it when I did the challenge. So there was definitely some weeks I really, really liked the song and I wanted to keep working on it. Or actually there was some weeks too where I didn't like the song at all and I wanted to keep working on it. So either or, I just wanted to keep uh, working on it and extending my time. And there was definitely times where I did extend like a couple of days past. I think the most I've ever extended it was like a week because I was super attached to one song that, that I made. But I remembered the point, the whole entire point of the challenge. And so I would just, in some weeks, I would take um, the verse, slap it onto the end, take out some track. That would be how I finished the song, you know? So nothing, nothing crazy or nothing fancy. And that really hurt to just do something that I think is considered sloppily. It usually ended up being the case that the song after was much better than the song before. And I totally forgot about how much I liked that the song that I had just made. And you're right, I this year I've been taking some of my songs that I really like. And just now that I'm better at mixing and better at uh, sound design, I take it and I make it better. And it's really fulfilling because this year I took a song that I had made last April. I listened to it and it, it sounded not good. <laughs> And to me, I was really happy about that because it's not sounding good to me, which means that I had excelled. You know, I wasn't, I, I did not stagnate. I actually got better to a point where now I can recognize like all the things I would have done differently, like how I would have mixed it differently. And so, yeah, and I, I do that even this, this year, even though I'm, I'm putting out imperfect things on Spotify, Spotify seems so like definite to me, I guess, seems so, like ultimate, you know, it's like, it has to be perfect before you put it on. I told myself, like, I'm just going to put it put it on. I'm going to get it to a point where I think it's quite good. It tells a good story, which is the most important thing to me. And put it out there. If I ever want to go back to it, do a 3.0 next year, I'll just <laughs> take it down and re-upload it. So nothing is ever definite. 
are, yeah, nothing's ever definite. Interesting. Very interesting. And I love this concept. I think this is absolutely amazing. So now let's get into the nitty gritty of the 52 challenge, 52 week challenge, because I know at this point there are people that are listening and they're like, please, please, please tell me how to do this. Please. This is what I need. I need something like this. I'm intrigued. I'm interested. And so exactly how let's, let's get down to like the technical aspects. So like, how does that look? Do you have like a, like a, like a click up or a, or, or a Trello style app that helps you track what you're doing or like, how does that look? So I'm a huge project management nerd. For those of you who know what Notion is, it's similar to ClickUp. I really like it for myself. And so I have this very, honestly, when I, when I started, I just created a page in Notion and it was just a table and it just said 52 week challenge. I kept it super simple. I didn't, I didn't spend time set, setting it up, creating calendar reminders or creating this really nice page. I really just started off creating a table every single week, let's say January 1st to January 7th. So seven days, I would be working on my song throughout that week. And then at the end of that week, I would make sure to export it, export the the file, export the MP3 to my Notion board. And then I had a diary of all the things that I had learned and all the things that I want to get better at. And this is a really cool aspect to the challenge because now you're documenting like um, where you were to where you want to be. And in the beginning, because I didn't know anything, I really had no idea how to use use a DAW. And so in the beginning, I would write in my diary entry like, oh, I learned how to put a reverb on on this track, or I learned how to color my track. Or um, I learned how to download a sample from the internet and put it on a track. It was super basic things, but I would make sure I had a diary entry. And so it was just really the song name, diary entry, and then the file, um, the MP3 file. And when I did that, that's when I considered that week complete. And then I would just repeat every single week. And I had just in my head when I needed to complete it, um, you know, like Sunday to Sunday uh, was usually my schedule. When I went a little bit over, I just remembered, okay, I went a little bit over this week. So next week I have to only just spend five days on this next song so I can just stay consistent within that that whole whole month. And that was really it. And in terms of like the daily, I would say I spent an hour on it when I could, whether it was like after work or before work. It was usually after work, which was a little, if if I could do something differently, I would have done it before I had to go to work. And to let everybody know, my work is really flexible. I'm a UX designer. And so I choose my own hours, which is really nice. But because, you know, in the everyday, I, I feel like it's easier to do my work and harder to do the thing I, I really want to do, which is make music. I usually procrastinated on it until like the end of the workday. But regardless, I would just make sure that I spent time every single day. And some days I didn't do very much. I added, <laughs> I just added some effects or I just like worked on like EQing some, some tracks. And some days I would get a ton done and I just let myself be inconsistent in that way. But the only consistency that I did have was making sure that there's a song every week. I love it. I love it. I think that is absolutely incredible. Uh, There's a couple of things that came up and I wrote them down. 10 points to Slytherin. Okay, so here we go. So first off, an app that uh, depending on the type of person you are, this could be like game changing, or it could be, wow, that's cute. You know, wherever it falls on that spectrum for you, that's totally fine. Uh, For listeners as well, is this back or this app called Habitica? You ever heard of that app before? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. So if you or anyone that is listening is really into gaming and loves specifically fantasy style games, Habitica is like the greatest thing in the world because it's it's a it's a habit tracker, it's a to-do list, it's all the the good things that we're supposed to have and do. Um, but it's framed inside of a video game so that literally you pick your character and the way that the character progresses is by you completing things and you keeping up with your habits and you tracking what you've done and so on and so forth, right? Gamifying the process of habit tracking, right? For me, this goes into the second thing that I just, uh, that, that you reminded me of, which is when you were talking about documenting the journey and how important and useful it is to document the journey because throughout the day, I'll go into Habitica and I'll write down the things that I completed, 
right? Hey, I, I sent this off to someone. I edited this thing. I filmed this, whatever. I blah, 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 right? And by doing that, it actually alle- alleviated a lot of stress on my part because I, I noticed for a really long time, for like a year, the end of every day, it didn't matter how long I worked for. It doesn't matter if I worked for two hours or 12 hours. At the end of the day, I'm like, I really don't feel like I got a lot done. Like, I just felt like I could do more. Like, I just, you, you know, the feeling, the feeling, ah, oh, I didn't get enough done. I didn't do enough. It's, it's like that. That feeling is literally impossible to have when you're documenting the journey because you realize how much you got done in the process, right? And Habitica, at least for me, has helped me out a ton with that. It's free. You know, there's no, I'm not an affiliate. So like, don't think that I'm just like, we're not sponsored by my, Habitico whatsoever. Yeah, it's just, it's really, really freaking good. And so I'm not, you know, depending on the type of person you are, it really helps me to get stuff done. Um, But anyways, so that's a little thing. But yeah, the whole documenting the journey thing, right? This day, I learned this. This day, I did this. This day, I felt stressed about this. This day, I struggled with blah, 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 blah. This, all this kind of stuff. And we're talking about something that takes like five minutes to do. Like five minutes, right? We spend like, 10 times that on social media and YouTube every single day. And so I love this concept. I love, love, love this concept. And with that, it came up uh, or it it, uh, it brought up a question that I feel like people are going to have with this because 52 weeks for some people is pretty freaking daunting. If we're being real, I mean, 52 weeks, that's what, like two weeks shy of a year. Is that right? Or is there 52 weeks in a year? What the frick? Oh uh, yeah. In a year. Yeah. So song a week for a year. Really? Wow, I'm 28 years old. I'm just barely finding this out. That's amazing. Good job, Wyatt. Um, okay, no, 52 weeks. Okay, is a year. I mean, that's a year. That's a that's a freaking year. That's a year. And so, would you recommend? Because there's there's kind of the two the two thought processes on this. There's what I call the Jocko Willicks mind process on here, and then there's like all the other self help books out there process on here. The Jocko Willicks book is shut up commit, do it, no exceptions. And you know what I mean? It's like, that's it. There's no, there's nothing. And there's like all the other self-help books that are just like, oh, start small, like start small, like start with like, instead of doing 52 weeks, do four weeks. And then once you crush that, then do 50, 52 weeks or, you know, at that point, I guess just lop on like 48 weeks. Cause then it would be a year or whatever, whatever it is, whatever it is, you know, like, what do you think is the right thing to do in this situation? So I think I am pretty partial to a song a week. So Instead of saying 52, which, yeah, definitely does seem super daunting. I didn't even think about that number until I finished. Like, oh, 52 songs. That's how many I have. It was really uh, do a song a week. I like that number instead of like do four songs in a month or do an hour a day of music. Doing one song a week sounds just intriguing. And I think a little bit more doable is challenging enough so that I think people could stay consistent with it. But I think it's easy enough to, yes, uh, it's easy enough to stay consistent with it. And it's hard enough to, I guess, leverage your learning. So I would say when I looked at it that way, like, you know, a song every week, I map out my week anyway. And I think, you know, I'm I'm guessing that people look at their life in week (laughs) and in week increments. And so um, it just kind of fit in like my project management and also just how I, how I view my life. Like Sunday seemed like a good, good day cut off. It can be any, really any day. Like sometimes I switched it to like Wednesday to Wednesday, but it mostly stayed Sunday to Sunday. I think if we stay away from thinking of like, oh man, I'm going to make 52 songs this year. I really, really didn't think about that. I I really only just tried to finish that song that week, just stayed super present with it. And then before you know it, like a year passes, like it it went by incredibly quick. And so I, I, I recommend looking at it in in weeks. Got it. Got it. Got it. And do you feel like, so, so from what I'm hearing you say, I just want to make sure I'm hearing you correctly is that it's like, don't worry about four weeks. Don't worry about 52 weeks. Don't worry about that. That's not the, 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 that's not, that's not the, the concept here. The concept is just a song a week and then go for however long you want to. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. I think the idea is just to create a practice instead of creating this end goal. You can, you can say, you know, I'm going to create 52 songs this year. Really what I think is much more sustainable is creating a consistent practice. So when you create a consistent practice of a song a week or an hour a day, I think that's taking the load off of you mentally. So it's not so much of a mountain and it's creating really good um, habits because you start making it into a habit. And before you know it, it's so easy by by the end of it to to do it. You just have been doing it every single day. <laughs> and so it creates really good habits for 
for producers. Right, right, right. Did you uh, did you have an accountability partner through all this? No, I didn't. I didn't have an accountability partner doing it alongside of me. I would say I had casual accountability. So like I told my my brother I was all in, I was going to do it. I told my my partner that I was going to do it. So the more people I told, the more I had to. It's like that social accountability that that's really good, you know, pressure, even though they're not doing it alongside of you, they have your word that you were going to do it. And if you stop doing it, then they would know. And so I'd make sure to show them, like I, I made sure to send songs to my brother or to, to sit with my friends and show them my song, even though that's, that's honestly scary. <laughs> it's really scary when you're first starting and you say like, Hey everyone, I want to show you my, my song that I made. Cause you know, it's not there yet. But what that does, I feel like is create that accountability because they, they're now seeing you through your progress. And so other than that, I would I didn't have account yeah, I didn't have accountability. I would I would post it on Instagram, like I would say, song 42, you know, this is how I felt during song 42. And so I kind of used social media as also accountability. Got it. Okay. So a couple of things inside of there. So okay, having like you're saying, you had like a soft accountability partner, which is really you were like like you saying with with a few people that were close in your life that you let them know to kind of have that social accountability. At bare minimum, I think that should exist. I think for something as big and as daunting as this, I think is 100% needed at bare minimum just to let people know that you're doing it so that you do have that social accountability. I think at best it would be good to actually have someone that you're doing it with. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, listen, it's a lot easier to wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning if my wife is waking up at 5 a.m. in the morning with me, right? And so, because she jumps up and turns the lights on, it's like, ah, okay. You know, I can't just pretend I didn't know that the lights just turned on. Frick. You know, I can't just pretend that, oh, I'm too tired today because I know that George is going to be calling me in 30 minutes and being like, bruh, come on. You know, so on and so forth, right? But um, but also, a really quick little asterisk with that because a lot of people have a lot of, they have a lot of reservations with with getting an accountability partner most of the time i find that it becomes or the reason why is because there's like this toss toxic stoic persona that they're trying to portray it's like i can do it by myself i don't need help i don't want people to to see behind enemy lines of what's going on inside of my mind it's too personal and so on and so forth listen please listen to me when i say this shut up just do it like listen an accountability partner you literally have to try it once to realize how good it is literally just try it once and you'll be like okay yeah this was i don't know why i didn't do this before right sorry that's i'm a bit off topic right there but yes i completely agree with what's going on here. Also, the, what you also brought up about documenting it at least a little bit on social media, genius. One of the biggest questions, you know, I'm the marketing guy, I get a lot of marketing questions. One of the biggest questions I get is what the frick do I post on social media? Bro, you literally just got this idea right here is literally going to give you if you do 52 weeks, it's going to give you a year's worth of content to post. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, like, even if you're not, yeah, you could do it once a week and say, here's the song that I made, obviously, but like, you could literally do it every single day, like every day after you're when you are producing, you can do it. After you're done producing, dude, here's what I learned today. Here's what I did, blah, 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 blah. Like literally, literally, that's that's content right there. Like, frick, you know, like, ah, oh, come on. So anyways, this is really, really intriguing. Is there anything else about this this challenge, this concept that you're just like, you're, you're craving to talk about? Hmm. I would say to add on to that point you just made, I think, I think when I realized that you know, what we see on social media and like our most favorite producers, we're usually seeing the finished product and we're not seeing their whole process usually unless we, we dig for it. And so I think that creates like a really, really like hard standard for us. And it makes us not want to even start because, you know, we, we just see finished products of people. And so I think documenting it on social media and being willing to share the journey, I think is a lot more humanizing. And I, I work with this a lot as a UX designer, that when we start to humanize like our brand or our, us as people, um, instead of just putting out like, hey, my song's out on, on Spotify or um, like, I, I played for this many people like this day. Like when we when we talk about like, you know, when we when we share like our first song or like songs that were were not good and just like how we felt about it. I think that allows people to really connect on a deeper level to you. And 
it's now a, a deeper journey that you're allowed to take with people like you you making music instead of you know creating this this whole persona which I think is great too I think maybe it's a mix of both like creating a uh, exterior per- persona but also being willing to be like super authentic like pretty vulnerable to to people I would say the journey doing the the 52 week challenge is easier because I realigned is most important and so when I was let's see when I was in high school I really wanted to be great um I just had this yearning to be great and to me great was I wanted to be a multi-millionaire by 25 that was like a goal of mine for a really long time I wanted to be signed onto um, candy rat records for percussive guitar when I was doing percussive guitar stuff I wanted to play for tons of people I had like you know so many huge goals of money and fame. And then it really took like a huge hiatus for me to realize that when I realized that this is what I'm meant to do as a human, like me specifically, like I'm my journey, my story is to create electronic music for the for people on the planet. Then it, it took out a ton of the, I guess, mental mental noise that would come with it. I wasn't now like looking to the exterior goals of like fame and fortune and whatnot. But when it came from some place deeper, then I allowed it to be a, a, a lifelong journey. When I when I when I realized like this is a lifelong journey, then it was a lot easier to commit to this challenge. So for the final couple minutes that we have here, uh, me and Yin here, she's going to be asking me marketing questions and I will answer any of them that she has to the best of my ability in the next couple of minutes. So what questions do you have? Yeah. So one question that I'm I'm thinking of right now, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get to a, a level where I, I feel like uh, I can market my, my songs or, you know, think about labels and so I'm wondering because I have a lot of friends who are jaded <laughs> by by labels and the the music industry but I know that's that's only like that's on the surface and perhaps not the whole story and so as somebody who's getting a more traction has gotten to like a, a technical ability that um, that is sufficient would you say that a label, or would you say that would you say that staying independent to maybe preserve creativity or going the label route is a good idea? Does this that make is sense? really yeah, this is a really great question into and just to make sure that I'm understanding and I'm answering the correct question, which is it's the age old question, you know, independent versus label. And, you know, what is the right thing to do for which person? What is the credentials to go to a label versus the credentials to rather do it by yourself? So on and so forth. Is that is that what I'm hearing? So the it's actually quite a simple question once we break it down like this first off we have to talk about value what is the value that a label brings well traditionally the value that a label brings is marketing right is that's they're probably their biggest pillar is marketing they will take your song they will phrase it in such a light and frame it in such a light that is marketable and then they will take care of everything on that side so that you don't have to of course the con is that is that most of the time at least in the edm space they're going to take about 50 percent of the profit right and so we look at that value and that is different for each person. For some people, that is intensely valuable. For some people, that is not valuable whatsoever. So that's very first off, we have to answer the question, is this? Number one, are you willing to do your own marketing? Are you willing to learn how to run Facebook ads and YouTube ads and Instagram ads and learn how to phrase your things in such a light that you want to learn how to market that and then learn how to scale that and know how to know if something is actually working so you can keep going with it or change it and so on and so forth. So that's the first question that one person has to ask which I will let you answer right now. Is the marketing side even interesting to you? It's not the most interesting thing to me. It's like, it's interesting, mildly interesting. I, I really like, I, I really like taking, like going on photo shoots with, with uh, good photographer friends. I like that. I like sometimes writing like some stories, but there's a lot of the other stuff that I really don't like. Totally, totally, totally. And I and that is probably the most common answer to when I ask that question, right? Sometimes there are people that are like me that are just like bleeding marketing, just like, please tell me everything, you know, but I'm I admit that that's more of an anomaly rather than the rather than the normality. And, and so with that, if that is the case, then what I would suggest to you is just to try it by yourself first, because most people, one of two things happens there, most people are within the realm that you're in right now, you're like, ah, it's 
it's okay, I guess. Maybe sometimes I'm not entirely sure, kind of interested. I don't know, right? And one of two things will happen once you try it yourself. You will absolutely loathe it and be like, this is the worst thing in the world. This is actually the worst thing in the world. Or you'll be like, whoa, I have so much power now. Like I can go on and release a song and get it to millions of people with just a few dollars and blah, 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 blah. Not a few dollars. That's ridiculous. But you know what I mean? And so one of the two things will happen. So I would suggest first off to release independently for a set amount of time, a month, six months, a year, however long, right? But you have a set amount of time that you are releasing independently, at which point you take a, a try at marketing because one of those two things will happen, frankly. And then let's say that you do like it. Let's say that you do like marketing. Keep going. Do it. Keep progressing. You'll, it's just another skill that you have, which if I'm being real, learning marketing is vastly easier than learning music production because music production is very uh, subjective where marketing is very objective. There are objective things that you will do that will get you traffic and eyes on you and so on and so forth, right? And so so there's that. If you try it and you absolutely loathe it, then that's when you need to look more into labels and so on and so forth because they will take, you, take that off your back. However, this comes with a gigantic asterisk, like literally picture the biggest asterisk that you can conjure up in your mind, okay? So this comes with a huge asterisk with going with labels. A lot of people that listen to the podcast, especially those that hop on my Instagram live streams, know my opinions on this. I, most of the time, loathe labels, loathe them, think that they are the scum of the earth. I think that they are terrible at their job. They're some of the sketchiest people I've ever worked with, so on and so forth. I'm not going to point out any labels. Listen, there are some good labels out there. I can't say that all labels are bad. And there are some labels who know what they're doing. I'm talking about like the majority that I've worked with and that I've seen behind the scenes and so on and so forth is like, I actually hate them. Like it's, it's so bad, right? They screw the artists over. They have no idea what they're doing with marketing and so on and so forth. And so that's why it's like, Ah, I have a really hard time with this. For example, here's an example because everyone's like, why? You always say that you hate labels, but why? Let me give you an example. I saw behind the scenes, I was working on a product and the person I was working on the product with was releasing through one of the biggest electronic dance music labels. And, And I saw their marketing plan. He showed me their marketing plan and I looked at their marketing plan and I don't think my, my palm has slapped my forehead harder in my entire life because they had like, it was like a $20,000 marketing plan, which listen, listen to me, listen, if you have $20,000 to market, you should be walking away with an unprecedented amount of traffic, like an unbelievable amount of traffic, like everyone in the world should know about you kind of traffic, right? But the vast majority majority of their of that $20,000 was going towards boosting a Facebook post, which I just was like, okay, I'm going to throw up right now. I'm going to I'm going like this is this is disgusting. This is repulsive to me to see this. Are you how is it that someone who can say, yeah, let's throw $20,000 into it not know how ineffective that is? You know, what I mean? it's like it's like it's like, oh my gosh, it's I, it's like you're a child, but you own a house. It's like what how did that child get that house? How did they get that marketing budget knowing not knowing what to do with it? You know what I mean? It's and so anyways, anyways, so that's one reason why I like really have a hard time with with labels. I'm not saying that all labels are like that. There are some labels that are smarter, but I have I still have a hard time with labels. But so that's where the big asterisk comes in is like, no, just know, just know that no label, eh, most of the time, most of the time, no label will do as good at marketing as you will do on your own music. You see what I'm saying? Because they're they're not as invested. Frankly, they're not as invested. You know what I mean? Like this is your song. They got like tens of thousands of songs that they can market, right? This is your song. You, you are invested in this. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. It brings up my partner is, is also a musician. And right now he is working with a virtual assistant. So somebody he consistently works with every single week on music marketing. And so I wonder, is that a viable way, like a good middle ground between not going with the labels and not doing everything independently? Good question. And this really, this question is really a, a smaller part to a bigger question, which is, well, who the frick can you trust, right? Who, who, who actually knows what they're, what they're talking about and who can you rely on and so on and so forth? Because whether it's a virtual assistant, whether it's a social media marketing agency, whether it's someone that you hire on Fiverr, whether it's so on and so forth, right? It's like, who can you trust when it comes to this? What are their credentials, right? What have they proven to do, right? If they, for example, I met with someone today that wants to scale our ads and I was like, great. 
what's your credentials? And he's like, yeah, so I have, I run my own agency. We're doing about a hundred thousand dollars in ad spend per month. I've been doing it for about five years. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, those are credentials. That is credentials that, yeah. If you can show me screenshots and testimonials, what you're talking about, I'm all in. Right. But if you, if the person's like, yeah, so I'm interested in this, it's not a good credential. If you look at the labels and they have millions of followers on Instagram, but each song only gets like 5,000, 10,000 views. It's like, mm, 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 what's going on here? What's, mm, mm, I don't know what's happening, right? You see what I'm saying? So this this virtual assistant with your partner, what's his credentials? I mean, you don't have to answer that. That's more of a, a, a thing for, for you guys to discuss. But like, if he has a lot of credentials, I'd say, that's great. That's fantastic. If he doesn't, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. You see what I'm saying? Did I answer your question? Yeah, definitely. Very good. Very good. So as far as the label question, as far as who you can trust when it comes to marketing, did those answer your questions? Is there any follow-up to those questions? Anything like that? Yeah, I did have one follow-up. Let me let me remember this follow-up. Oh, when you were mentioning Facebook ads. So I know somebody who swears by Facebook ads or they're really wanting to to really run with this one um, strategy. And so it just made me think of like, huh, I wonder out of all the strategies, which is a really solid strategy for somebody who is learning now to to market their music, you know, whether it's, you know, join Discord channels and be part of the community or, or Reddit uh, subreddits or Facebook ads or social media ads, I mean, or the other. Is there like, one that you really feel like is a solid strategy? Good question. Good question. Good question. And I'm going to answer your question without answering your question because the strategy is, so this is the, the, the equivalent of what you're asking right now is like, what's the best hospital in my area? Like I have this need, I need to go to a hospital. What's the best hospital in my area? It's like, ooh, like that's a, I agree. You need a hospital. I agree. I, I don't know. I haven't been in your area. I don't know what's the best and so on and so forth. Right. So, but I, what I want to tell you is how to find that hospital. That's the best for you, right? What, how to find that strategy. That's the best for you. Right. And so to give you this answer actually comes in the form of three books that I'd really encourage you to listen to. It's by, in my mind, the greatest marketer of all time. His name is Russell Brunson. Um, he is insanely good. Like the most logical, like makes you feel good marketer that you will ever experience in your entire life. And so he has three books. Um, the The names of them are, the first one is .com Secrets. The second one is Expert Secrets. And the third one is Traffic Secrets. They are so good. Everyone, I mean, I've read them probably like four or five times and I'm going to continue reading them like way more than that. And everyone I've recommended them to, they come out and they're like, holy crap, this is insane. And the reason why is because what you need right now or anyone, what anyone needs to get into marketing their own music right now is they need to actually understand the theory of marketing. What is the theory, right? So like, for example, right now, if I said, all right, and you need to be go and become a doctor right now. You'd probably freak out. You're like, what the like, what the heck do I do? Or do I go in there? Do I is, when I'm in the room with the patient? Do I talk to them? Do I do like do like do I talk to them about personal stuff? Do I just go like do I just pull out my stethoscope and start putting it on stuff? Like what the freak? What is the system? What is the theory? What is the so on and so forth, right? And the doctors understand that they know. Okay, when they come in, do this. After you do this, do this. After you do this, do this. So on and so forth, right? And right now, what you need is that you need that thing. Like, what is the mindset that you need to be in with marketing? What are the, the big overarching pillared concepts of marketing that you need to understand? And these books are the ones that I promise you, you will come out the end being like, holy cow, I get, I see the vision. I see the concepts, right? So for those that are listening, uh, there are links down in the description for those, uh, those books that is an affiliate link straight up. I, I love the book so much that I am affiliate for this, but don't let that deter you. We've literally ran everything through donation through these books and that's how we've been able to scale so fast. So full disclosure with that. Anyways, anyways, did that answer your question? At least, at least in a way, in a way, answer your question. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm super excited to go into the, into, I, I really love theory. So I'm really excited to, to read all three books. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. I will say this though, and this will be the, the final thing that we finish off with just to to, just to get you excited to read the books, right? Just to get you get your mind going. And if there is a strategy that I know you'll come out the end using, it's just how to apply it for your specific needs is first off, understanding the strategy and the theory of traffic. And so like meaning internet traffic, like people coming to your page, coming to your website, blah, 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 listening to your music, whatever it is, they're, di they're taking a digital action, right? And there really is understanding the three different types of traffic. Have you ever heard about this concept before? No. There's three different types of traffic. Uh, 
uh, when it comes to marketing on online. Once we get outside, once we get into the physical world, 18 different types of traffic, but like there's three of them when it comes to online. There's traffic that you earn, traffic that you buy, and traffic that you own. And understanding the difference between all three of those traffics and how they play into each other is like, is paramount. This is like understanding food and water and sleep. Like this is like understanding why, how each one of them is essential to you and what their, what their relationship with each other is. You see what I'm saying? And so... Um, so let's start with the first one traffic that you earn. This is anything that you earn. So you go to a website that you don't own. So Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, whatever it is, and you, you rent a space there. Not, not, I don't mean with money. I mean, like you create an Instagram page, you create a YouTube channel, you do and you start doing that and you're renting that space, so to say, and you're earning that traffic. You're, you're doing things to earn traffic. The problem is that you don't own that traffic. You they Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, they can literally just show up any Tuesday and just yeet you right off with, and there's nothing you can do. There's literally nothing you can do. You can get a million subscriber YouTube channel. If they decide to cancel you, you are done, period. You see what I'm saying? So then there's there's the next type of traffic, which is traffic that you buy, which is ads, right? You spend money, you give Mark Zuckerberg on Facebook some money and he shows your stuff to people, right? Which is very useful. It's very, very useful. I actually want to go back one step to the traffic that you earn. This is the equivalent to you growing a farm. Like let's, if we're using it in terms of food, like this is like you growing a farm, but you don't own the land that you're farming on. The landlord can show up anytime and just kick you off and there's nothing you can do, right? As long as they don't kick you off, as long as they don't kick you off, you can make food and it's great. But if they kick you off, you're done, right? And if they say, oh, by the way, I'm restricting water, which would be the equivalent of restricting uh, traffic, right? To your, all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, I don't want to send traffic to your website for whatever reason now. There's nothing you can do. You can't go argue with the landlord and be like, then get out of here, right? And so, and so it's the equivalent of growing a farm. Then there's traffic that you buy uh, like we mentioned, this, these are ads. And this is the equivalent to you going to the store. You still have to have money to buy the food there. You still have to, right? But you can go, you can buy food, you can bring it back and survive off that food from the store, right? Then, and then at the very end, which is like the holy grail of traffic, the top thing, the thing that we are all looking to do is traffic that you own. It doesn't matter what social media you have or don't have. It doesn't matter how much money for ads you do or do not have. If you have traffic that you own, you own that for life and you can do whatever you want with it. This is the equivalent to having food storage. This is the equivalent to, it doesn't matter if you get kicked out of your house or get kicked off the farm or you don't have money to go to the store. You have food storage. You, you have food down in the basement that you can go and crack open and eat if you need to, right? Now, this is where most people get mixed up is that most of them focus purely, purely, purely on traffic that you earn. They think it's the holy grail that growing an Instagram channel, growing a YouTube channel, growing a TikTok, so on and so forth is the biggest and final step in marketing. It's not. It's literally the lowest step. It is the first step. It is the most primary step that you can take because the only reason why you should ever be growing any form of social media ever is to eventually convert that traffic into traffic that you own right? Because it's it's a ticking time bomb. Eventually, the algorithms is going to restrict your reach to those people, regardless of what platform that you're on. So you want to convert those people into traffic you own, because once you use traffic that you own, you're solid, you're good, you have those people in your world, boom, 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 boom. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Cool. Any questions with that? And then so with traffic that you the, what was the third one called again? Yeah, tra traffic that you own. So what does that look like then? Yep, yep, traffic this is this is interesting. This is an interesting question because prior uh, prior to like 2018 it was literally in one form which was an email list. That was the only form that you owned at that point, right? Because it doesn't matter if Gmail kicks you off. Go create another Gmail account and then you can just reimport your list back in, right? It doesn't matter if Yahoo crashes tomorrow. It doesn't matter. You still have your list. And so that up to 2018 that was basically the only type of traffic that you could own. And then in 2018, the heavens opened, new revelation came, and now we have multiple different forms that you can own. Uh, the Probably what is arguably the greatest thing since an email list is a text message list. Oh my gosh, dude, if you have a text message list, oh my goodness. Like the open rates on text messages and the click-through rates on text messages unparalleled to anything. Yeah, if you have a text message list, you are you, it's, it's game over at that point. And then the third type... And again, these there's more and more types being added frequently now ever since 2018. But the third type that I'm going to talk about 
is, and this is really freaking advanced, but it's really freaking useful if you know how to do it, is if you have your own app. If you have your own app, you control everything about that app. You control, if you come and download my app, you, by terms of service, you have to allow me to do push notifications. And so I can notify you at any time with any concept and so on and so forth, right? So so those are at least three different types of traffic that you can own. So an email list, text message list, and an app. Uh, more is being added all the time through various different means. Cur currently, currently, there is a faux type of traffic that you can own, meaning it's kind of traffic that you own, but it's really not. It's kind of right in the middle, which is a Discord server. It's because, you know, technically you don't own Discord. They could come in and kick you out at any time. However, you can kind of own those that, that traffic because there's no restriction in reaching out to people. If you grow your Discord server to 500 people, you can go at everyone and all of them are going to get notified. You can't do that on Instagram without spending money. You can't do that on TikTok without spending money. You can't do on any other, you see what I'm saying? And so, so yeah, so it's, there's like those kind of platforms. And I mean, arguably, I guess YouTube kind of could be considered that if you convinced everyone to hit the notification bell and turn on notifications and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like technically you could do that, but like, it's still like kind of within that realm, but not really. So making sense to answer your questions? Yeah, I'm, I'm super, super uh, intrigued now. I really want to look into the the traffic you own. I just want to learn everything. So thank you. <laughs> good, good, good. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. So um, this was awesome. I appreciate you coming on. Is there any final words that you want to tell the Daw Nation before we head out? If anybody is interested in the challenge and they have more questions, I can definitely help them or I can just like, share share my own experience and share my my diary my notion board with them share like song files whatever whatever helps them guys if anyone who has done something incredible as the 52 week challenge offers you a first look insight into their diary that they kept during the get at, are you serious come on like this is huge right and the fact that she's offering that that if you guys want to reach out to her and ask questions and clarifications and all that get out of here this is insane again we've been with yin chang who goes by nuya go follow her on social media so she can convert you into traffic that she owns <laughs> go listen to her music go do the 52 week challenge and with that being said yin thank you so much for coming on the show thank you Thank you so much, Riot. Super appreciate it. What's up, Daw Nation? Hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Behind the Daw. Now, listen, don't head out yet. There's still a few things that we need to talk about. So as a reminder, if you want to do this type of episode, if you would like to come on Behind the Daw like this and do an episode, here are the credentials, right? Head on over to iTunes, leave us a review over on iTunes, take a screenshot, send it to me. I will literally just go in the list of people sending it to me. So if you're the first person to do this, you'll be the, the next episode and so on and so forth, right? I'd love to do this. This was a lot of fun. Uh, Yin is a great, great, great person. I think she brought a lot of value. And I know that there are others of you out there that have this type of value to bring to the rest of Donation. We want to keep doing these, these kinds of episodes, okay? So if you want to do that, again, iTunes, review, screenshot, send it to me over on Instagram at da underscore nation. Also, if there's anything inside of this podcast that you really, really enjoyed, I would love for you to right here, right this second, right now, take a screenshot. Please, 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 please take a screenshot. Send it to me on Instagram, tag me in it, tag me in a story. I'd love to know what really inspired you this week because we want to keep bringing this type of content to you, okay? So if you if you really like this type of content, please do that. I would love to hear from you. And as always, give a quick little shout out to our sponsor, which is the Alien Weapon Walkthrough. Now, this is the course that we did with AU5, okay? And it's an extremely in-depth, intense, really, really big, good, good words, great words, amazing words. It's an insane walkthrough, okay? So if you want to learn how to make Austin song alien weapon, please go check it out. It is so, so, so dope. I'm pretty sure I just said Austin's. It's AU5. You know what I'm saying. Wow, I'm off the cuff today. But you know, <laughs> it's all good. Okay, so with that being said, Donation, thank you so much for uh, listening to this week's episode. And if you want to listen to more episodes like this, please go check out our whole catalog. I'm gonna be putting out way more. We had to take a hiatus for a couple months. It really sucked, but we are getting better. We are getting faster. We are going to crush this and put out more and more and more episodes. It's gonna be in Hannity. I don't know why I said in like that. It doesn't matter. Okay. Anyways, donation. Thank you so much. I love you guys. See you on the next episode.